Welcome to episode 156 of the Twim Show. This is your Saji Islam and today I'll be going over the notable news and updates from the digital marketing space from the week of April 10th through 14, 2023. Today, first off, we have an announcement from Microsoft. Microsoft has an, uh, uh, launched PL extensions. Microsoft Ads have launched PL extensions. PL extensions, according to Microsoft, are the fully first are the first fully integrated retail media solutions from uh, for their Promote IQ solution stack. And what it allows you to do is to serve product ads both on-site and off-site with a single budget while op automatically optimizing for the best balance of performance and reach. Now, if you are unfamiliar with the concept on uh, on-site and off-site ads and you've heard, okay, on-site SEO and off-site SEO, well, allow me to break it down for you, okay? For on-site uh, ads, uh, basically what it means is that it's, it's like when you advertise your product on a retailer's website, it's known as on-site. It's a strategy with proven return on investment, uh, but you know, with on-site, obviously, there is a limit to how much your ads can reach uh, because, you know, it will only serve your ads to uh, the people, the visitors who are already on that product, on that retailer's website, number one. And number two is obviously, uh, you know, there is a... Um, limited uh dim limited space availability right because you know the competition is there your competitors or your other product suppliers wants to also pr put an ad so it's an inventory issue and offside is anything you post uh outside so for example google would be a good example or through a browser is one example that's offside ads and onsite would be something like if you're putting putting up your ad on best buy or say amazon.com okay now with pla extensions which is part of the promote iq solution stack is allows you to kind of you know figure out okay fine uh, you have inventory and it, it detects like oh you're not spending all your budget for on-site ads just because there is limited capacity limited demand uh, or whatever it is reason and then it will automatically divert that um uh, what will I say, the spend into offset ads. So here's an example that Microsoft has provided in their announcement. It's like, for example, suppose John is searching for a new pair of boots on his favorite retailer's website. He sees your ad for a particular brand of boots but becomes distracted before adding them to his cart and leaves the website without making a purchase. Later that evening, uh, he li he's browsing online and he sees your ads uh, again on Bing. He clicks through the ad on Bing and is taken to the product page on the retailer's website and this time uh, makes a purchase. Meanwhile, Sandra, another shopper in need of new boots who isn't familiar with your brand, has also seen your ad on DuckDuckGo, clicks through to make a purchase as well. Thanks to the PLA extension feature, you have reached the in-market shoppers for both on and off the retailer's site with a single PLA campaign. So I hope that kind of gives you a good understanding of what PLA uh, extensions are going to do because it drives awareness of your brand and point perspective, uh, points perspective uh, customers back to your product landing page, growing your audience and increasing the likelihood of sales. Now, again, like I said, this is part of the Microsoft Promote IQ solution stack. Again, I'm not sure how many of our listeners are going to do it. Nevertheless, it's interesting to see how, you know, you can apply the same concept into, you know, other stuff. Like, for example, between, um, you know, Amazon, I'm using Amazon as an example, although I'm not very familiar with the Amazon ecosystem. I don't think you can pixel it uh, or pixel the... Uh, people who are coming to your Amazon site, but 
you know uh, you know but i'm just saying you could show your ads to people who are on amazon and then also kind of show your ads to people who are on you know duckduckgo google or bing and kind of do an omni channel solution uh, build an omni channel uh, retail media stack so hope this helps gives you some you know uh food for thought and figure out uh where you want to kind of place your ads and how do you want to be seen and how do you want to be found uh, again you this should be your marketer's job if you are the business owner thinking about this then i would be like you know what you are really wearing a different hat than what you set out to be unless of course you want to love being a marketer okay with that let's go to another uh different update which is GA4 now gives you the ability to change how you count your conversions. Uh, Google Analytics, which is GA4, Google Analytics 4 now allows users to modify the counting method for conversion. Uh, now they have introduced the once per session option, which is similar to how uni Universal Analytics, the soon to be retired version, uh, operated. Uh, this, I think they did this because they have so many complaints and users are saying the numbers don't match up. So they are trying to kind of, you know, narrow that gap, uh, the difference. Okay. So the once per event, which is recommended by GA4 setting, means that Google Analytics 4 properties count an event as a conversion every time it occurs. Uh, this is good for things like if you have sales or if you're counting add to cart, this should be you know always once per event. Uh, this option is recommended because it reflects the behavior of users on your site or app and allows you to distinguish between sessions where multiple conversions occur and sessions where only one conversion occurred. For example, a user con completes five conversions in one session. This setting counts five conversions, which is exactly what I said. Add to cart because you know a, a, a visitor could be adding you know, five different products. You want to count each one of them. If they've checked out like you know five different times within that one session, you want to still count it as a conversion. Now, the one caveat to that is like you know, if you have a lead collection form, if the guy, if the visitor is filling out the lead form five times, I'm not sure you really want to count it as five conversions. I would still count it as one, but that's a different discussion for another day, depending on you know, what kind of business you are, what kind of lead you're connecting, collecting and things like that. Now, the legacy one will once per session, which means this setting means that the Google Analytics four properties count an event as a conversion only once it occurs within a particular session, which is exactly the same uh, example I gave you which is again someone's filling out a lead form and filled it out three times you don't want to count it three three times you just want it to count one uh, you know conversion okay uh, and select the, what google is saying select these options if it is important for you for your gfo conversion to count clo uh, count to closely match your ua conversion count no mr google there are other reasons business cases for which i would want to do once per session okay now you know obviously if you are not unfamiliar with what a session is session is a group of user interactions with with uh, user interactions with your website or app that takes place within a given time frame. This time can be uh, pre-configured. You could change it. The default is 30 minutes. You can lower it down, uh, increase, bump it up, up to you. Okay. Uh, and you know what? So if you don't make a choice, Google Analytics will automatically, which is GA4, will automatically use the default counting method. The default depends on how conversion events were created. So it's kind of, huh, the plot thickens, right? Now, once per session is the default counting method for all conver conversions that were created from Universal Analytics goals. Like, remember a few weeks ago, I said, you know what, if you don't, uh, opt out, Google will automatically create a GA4. If that's the case happened, then of course you have to, uh, that's how it got kind of carried over. Or you use the uh, Google's provided <clears throat> 
uh, tool that says, hey, you are in universal analytics, it's going to soon be... Uh, uh, soon be out of service or it will be sunsetted soon, it will be discontinued soon and you said, okay, take my, you chose that auto-migration, then of course, you know, your once per session is kind of kicked in. However, you know, once per event is a default counting method for all the other conversions. Now, if you're not sure what is what, you can go to your conversion events table in admin uh, conversions and any conversion with an icon next to it uh, is using the once per session counting method. And if there are no icons, then in the conversion name column, that means it's using once per event. So I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, so you know what I would suggest you check out the show notes uh, on our Substack page because you know it's I go through a lot of things. There are a few other things that I want to actually. No, there isn't much. This is all I covered. But if you, you should really still go check out the Substack page because what you will be able to do is you'll be able to kind of you know uh, you know go read it and figure out okay which one do I have. I think that's the best idea. But again, uh, you can uh, you can change the conversion method by going to conversions. Uh, uh, what is it called? I'm blanking out. Uh, conversion events table. Uh, but remember, you need to have editor above uh, role on that property. Okay. Moving on to kind of a new stuff you know it seems like the 2020 uh, internet advertising revenue report uh, has come out uh, which is in internet advertising uh, i think i don't know what b stands for but anyway iab is how they go by what's interesting is that 40 40.2 percent of all digital ad revenue in the u.s uh, was for search ads so you know in 2022 there was you know basically the market size was 209.7, billion, 84.4 billion went towards search advertising, search ads. And in 2021 is out of 189 billion that was spent, 78.3 billion was spent on search ads. So search ads did go up a little bit, but not as much as uh, the ratios are not there yet, but I still think in you know, a search is still a big blind share. If you are not playing in the space, in the search ads market, you are really losing out, folks. Listen, people are not, uh, businesses are not spending $84 billion a year because uh, they like to spend it they would businesses are going to be the first one to stop spending money unless of course it's a big large company even then still if they cannot show an roi if it didn't really yield any money or revenue just from the spending okay so the point of me covering it is that you know this is a huge uh untapped potential which is demand capture uh, from the you know search marketing now obviously that's going to change in the coming weeks months and years because as chat gpt kicks in but i'm sure there's going to be some play of some sort but you know youtube ads and google search ads and bing ads are basically search marketing which is aka demand capture if you're not capturing demand and you're trying to generate demand which is demand generation and posting it on social media i mean you're not going after the low-hanging fruit folks what can i say 
uh, it's your business, your decision. But I would think I would rather go for the low-hanging fruit uh, to capture the demand first and then go focus on demand generation. That's just me. Okay. Uh, the other thing that was released this week was the Google's 2022 web spam report. Uh, this is very interesting because I want to highlight for a couple of reasons. I'm showing, uh, I'm sharing this update is because obviously Google uses this uh, thing called Spam Brain. Uh, this is basically the name that they've given to their AI-based spam prevention system that they launched in 2018, but really didn't unveil until 2021. Okay. So what they're saying is that Spam Brain detected five times more spam in 2022, uh, and the other thing I want you to know is that, you know, they have 10 times improvement in hack det site detection. So basically they will kind of figure out, has your site been hacked? Uh, especially if you are on WordPress, but it could be Wix, it could be Weebly because you're, you, they have compromised your password and then people have put in malware or people have put viruses or whatever it is. If they figure it out, they're, they're 10 times better. Uh, spam brain can detect spam during crawling so if a page doesn't need to be indexed uh, if it finds to be spammy why this is interesting is that it goes back to what I've covered in the past is like you know you need to create pages that are EEAT uh, which is experience Oh man, expertise, authoritiveness, and trustworthiness, right? If you're not creating content like this way and your content is not getting indexed, probably it could be because it's being detected as spammy content. Now, how do you create spammy contents? By writing like an AI-generated content. And not all AI-generated content are spammy content. It's just that you have to write content that are meaningful. That's all it matters, folks. That's all it matters. That's all I share about, you know. And I will share a couple of other uh, newsworthy uh, updates in this episode that you really want to listen because and they're very crucial if you are in the SEO game. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next update of this week. And the other update for this week is that Google has updated po uh, policy for video thumbnail in search results. So what is this? Let me allow me to break it down. Sometimes when you search something, which I did, uh, is like, you know, you will see uh, search results, which is known as search SERP, which is search engine results page in the search in the SERP, you will see an image. And if it's a video, it will show a video. It's like an image with a play icon, like a YouTube play icon, right? And that kind of indicates to the searcher, you, that, hey, this page, if you click on it, it has a video. You can watch that video or this page. If it's just an image, there is an image. And up until now, Google used to say, you know, there are two ways you could have this thumbnail show up. For a page that was mainly, if video was the main content of the page, of course, it will show that, you know, and it still does, which is it will show that image with that or the video overlay. Basically, that kind of tells you, hey, this is a video and it shows up on the left hand side. So what will happen is that uh, the video icon, the thumbnail and then the text and and the other second option was, uh, let me think, uh, where a video was present on the page but not the main element of the page, it will show the thumbnail on the right-hand side. So on the left-hand side, if you see the thumbnail with the play icon, that basically means the video was the main content. And if it was on the thumbnail on the right-hand side with the play icon, that means it, uh, there is a video, but it's not the main content. Now, Google is dropping the second option, which is the right-hand side. What Google is saying, the only time we will show your uh, thumbnail video, video thumbnail with the play icon is only if video is the main content of the page. When I did the test, what I saw was that, you know, yes, it has dropped the thumbnail on the right-hand side, the thumbnail with uh, on the right-hand side with the play icon, and what instead they put is a static image 
that's all. That's the difference. Why did ma- why this matters is because of course it's going to change uh, the it's going to change the reported metrics for videos in the performance report of your search console or in the search console. Uh, so it matters again if you don't have videos. Uh, then it really doesn't apply to you. But if you're wondering why there is a drop uh, in video uh, reported metrics for your videos, uh, you kind of probably have to figure out, okay, fine, what really changed. Uh, So now you know what could be happening and then you kind of have to kind of, you know, sit and investigate and figure out, okay, what do we need to make video the main content or is it going to be just um, content within the page, okay? Next up is Google has warned again that do not use cloaking, especially for HTT- even for HTTP status co- codes, because if you do, it's against Google's policy. Now, what is cloaking? Cloaking is a simple method to hide the website website's natural appearance to a search engine, right? This gives search engines a version of the web page or content that is different from what w- website visitors can actually see when they visit the web page. And like, people do it for many many reasons, right? Um, but what Google is saying, don't do it, even if for if it's uh, status codes. So because a question came up during this week's uh, this month's uh, SEO office hour, and they were asking, okay, what if you know, I'm not giving a different version of the page content, uh, okay? The content is the same, but you know, when the search engine visits, which obviously we know how when Googlebot is visiting, and I'm giving it a fo- uh, status code of 410. Well, status codes of 410 would mean basically that the web page or the content that you're looking for has been permanently deleted. However, if a user visits it, uh, because you know, again, we know it's a user visiting because you know it's gonna send in the um, in the browser information, whether it's Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Mozilla, whatever it is, it sends it and we could program our server to say, hey, if it's something like Chrome or Safari, show them the page, which is a status code of 200, but if it's a Google bot, uh, then obviously show them a status code of 410 that's telling them, hey, this page does not exist. Uh, Gary Ellis says, no, it's a big no, do not do it. Really, you're gonna get into trouble. If we find it, we're gonna de-index you, we're gonna ban you. What he's saying is if you really don't want the search engine to uh, come and look for your page uh, and it doesn't exist, just use the no index tag. We've covered tags so many times in our show in the past that, you know, it's right now, it may sound like a broken uh, record, uh, structured data tags and things like that. Um, but um, what I'm saying is by tags, I mean meta tags. But uh, but if you are find yourself in this situation where you don't want the, you know, Google bot or any of the bots to index your page or wants your page to be de-indexed for whatever reason, probably it has some you know, information that is no longer valid and you don't want it to be remaining in the Google index because the price has changed or your history has changed, just use the no index tag, okay? Do not try to play around with the status codes. If some, if your, uh, if your SEO guy or gal is telling you this to you, them, to you, uh, make sure, you know, you say, no, 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 that doesn't sound right. And this is one of the reasons why you need to have a good uh, SEO people. Uh, and also, not only that, you need to also have a good backline advisors uh, who can who you can reach out to and say, you know, hey, do we do this? Because remember, you don't want to be banned or delisted from Google or de-indexed from Google because that's a huge blow. And once you get de-indexed, try, good luck in trying to get indexed, Okay. 
The next update again is a question. Hey, I have 8,000 pages. Uh, do I wait and kind of, you know, release them in chunks or do I, can I go and release them all at the same time? This was a question that was asked to John Mueller on Twitter. John Mueller says, hey, I don't see a reason for you to wait. If they're really good, high quality pages, why wait? Publish them, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, if it's crap, it doesn't matter whether you publish in batches 10, 20, 50 at a time, uh, that really would not help you. Now, having said that, my professional opinion based on what I've been covering and if you've been listening is like, you know, I wouldn't publish 8,000 pages all at the same time uh, because the chances of all of them getting uh, indexed, uh, is very, very low just because if you remember, I think last bu last episode only we talked about crawl budgets. So what I would probably do is probably do in batches of 10 or 15 or 20 and slowly warm up, warm up the crawler, right? So I would probably publish one a week or two a week uh, on regular cadence and have the Google bot kind of, you know, warm it up like make it show like, oh, if you come here every Tuesday and Friday, you're going to get new content. So it slowly starts to show up on a regular basis and slowly, uh, you know, uh, uh, bump up. So from two pages a week to maybe four pages a week, still on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but now it has four pages. Now it has six pages and slowly the crawl budget grows, increases as well. Yes, it's going to take a significant amount of time for 8,000 pages, but I think that's worth the effort, especially also if you use the Bing plugin. Uh, if you're on WordPress and use the Bing plugin, you, cannot only, you can only submit so many in a given day, right? Uh, so while I do appreciate uh, John Mueller, there is some those gray areas that uh, I want you to think about because there's crawl budgets, there's only so many thing pages that are going to get crawled. Now, on the flip side, I think where John is coming from is like, you know, if you have 8,000 pages of good content, so let's just say you're WebMD, right? Uh, you want them to be found, you want the users to be kind of, uh, you know, read about it, and then over time, Google is going to come back and index it. But when that is... Uh, up to you. So it comes down to a business decision of how you are going to roll out these pages. Uh, but we, I presented my opinion. You have good, uh, John's. Uh, use your own business. Uh, I guess, you know, figure think you know your business better and you figure out how you're going to release them. Okay. Next up is uh, Gary Ellis. Again, the same call from the Google's uh, April's uh, SEO office hour is like what to do if there is a uh, if you have a sudden ranking drop. So what Gary is saying, look, if it's for one phrase or one keyword, then it is very highly possible that you know your competitor has now has better content. They have uh, let me see improve their content or implemented better SEO strategies, leading them to outrank your website for a targeted keyword. But what happens if you really did disappear for that one keyword phrase? Okay, fine. You you are not sure whether it's really a competitor or is it just me or is it just thing. So one of the things he's saying is that you could use, uh, you know, if you have a remote friend, ask them to check it from another site, which is google.co.uk or another website region and see if it shows up. Uh, and you kind of know, okay, is this something happening with the this region or is it good just the Google or is it just my browser or my machine? So there's a, quite a few things you can try it out. Right, again, uh, you could use a VPN to figure out, okay, is this some, a fluke or is this something that's really permanent? Like, for example, everything checks out. Yeah, you see your website doesn't show up on not only from the US, but the Europe, the UK, and the Germany, and the Japan indexes. It's just like dark. 
then he suggests check if you did anything that have caused it. maybe you have rearranged the uh, internal structure the page layout you've acquired more backlinks you probably have used uh, disavow tool things like that right and that will kind of give you some clue as to what might have gone wrong so you have to this is why i say folks you need to have everything documented all right it's like medical records you need to have everything documented because you cannot just go back and say oh this is the change that caused it you've got to do one change at a time just like in the it industry uh, you do one change at a time you document all your changes and then once this is done you kind of assess and then you roll out the next changes. So that way, if something were to happen, they were like, oh, two weeks ago, we made this change. So I think this is what's causing it. And you kind of go back to it. Yeah, I know it's not really very scientific, but that's the only way it's going to work because Google is not going to come and give you all the details. The other thing is you want to check is, you know, could it be technical issues? Maybe the bots are not able to reach your site. Uh, maybe, you know, there are some errors. So you need to look at the search console page. You need to look at the search. Uh, you look, need to look at your web server logs, things like that. There are quite a few things you can check where I'm going with this that it is very unusual and this is not just me well Gary Les says and I'm, I am just repeating himself it's like very unusual for our website to completely drop off of the index unless you know of course you are doing something black hat which is like cloaking uh, the status quo cloaking the con uh, cloaking the content things like that when in that case you're deleted uh, there is a manual action on your website quite a few things that can happen but it's very unnatural it's very it doesn't it's very rare but it does happen okay so then the next update and the last update for this week's are are backlinks backlinks still relevant in 2023 because you know there are quite a few services a lot of seo pundits experts you know whatever you know basically selling backlink services is it really really important john miller says no okay we know it all about it uh you know a lot of most of the SEO practitioners make backlinks for just manipulating search results and gain positions. If private tools like SEMrush and AREFs can detect those IPs which are building backlinks, do you think Google doesn't know about them and Google doesn't track them? That is exactly the thing that uh, John Mueller said, right? John Mueller says that Google is excellent at ignoring links that are designed to try to manipulate Google search rankings. But as a reminder, Google does not demote, but rather just de devalues those links. So basically what John is saying, look, uh, we, don't, we know which links are manufactured links and which links are really real, real backlinks right and if it's something those are um, manufactured which is very good at ignoring them we do not demote demote would mean that it would lower the ranking of the website for doing something bad devalue means it would simply ignore the link spam and not downgrade the rank of the website so that's it folks and now you know everything to be in the know uh, backlinks good quality backlinks organic backlinks do matter in my opinion but I wouldn't go hire someone to create backlinks for you because, you know, it's going to really rank you higher. I would probably promote it, uh, create quality content and work with other reputable, uh, you know, websites and agencies and things like that and get it ranking back and kind of, you know, surface up. But again, backlink is something we have covered. But I wouldn't necessarily just spend all my effort and energy in building backlinks like some SEO practitioners and experts say that. Uh, I would... Focus on probably more of the demand generation, no, demand capture, right? Demand capture is really, really good. And let, you know, the backlink uh, take effect, take over organically over a period of time. With that, that's it for this week in marketing. This is your host, Sajid Islam, signing off until next week. Take care. Bye-bye.